0: There will be a global world order. The stage is being set.
1: Highnesses, Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, a very, very good morning on what is the first official day of World Government Summit here at Dubai Expo 2020. And the title of this session, are we ready for a new world?
0: Order. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markel, Radio for the Remnant, brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Today Jan spends the hour with Gary Kaa, who has tracked the rush to globalism for 35 years. Global leaders are blatant in their wheeling, dealing and scheming for a kingdom ruled by the global elite, and the man with a plan called the man of lawlessness in the Bible but his kingdom will implode after seven short years just as nimrods did at babel here is today's programming.
2: But the very fact that we can look at our world today and see that the idea of a global economy a world government and even ultimately the attitude of the toleration of a world religion is becoming more and more the mindset of the times. It's what the Germans called years ago the zeitgeist. How you view the times in which you live. The mindset of this time. The zeitgeist of our time is so pervasive that everybody is thinking that way. Society is moving that way. Certainly the media is promoting all of this. And ultimately, there will be a global world order. Now, we can resist at times. We can vote in another direction at times. We can use our free democratic rights uh, to stand up for what we believe. But mark it down, it's ultimately going to happen. Now, the economic part of it feeds your wallet. And so people say, well, what's wrong with that? Let's have prosperity. That'll be good for me. But as you give up your individual rights, as you give up your national sovereignty, in order to gain those things, eventually, you're under the control of a system that has no place for God, no place for the Bible, no place for biblical morality. In fact, the tragedy about the new Europe is that in the constitution of the European Union, there is no mention of religion at all or God at all. God has been pushed out of the scene completely and entirely. It's the attitude that we can run the world by ourselves with our own ability, with our own intelligence, with our own power, with our own influence. And when man is ultimately in charge, the kingdom of man will be centered on man's desires and on self-promotion of our interests and eventually God is forgotten, the things of God are forgotten, the principles of God, the morality of God, the very purpose of God for mankind is then eliminated from society. It's no different than you had way back in the book of Genesis at the Tower of Babel uh, when the people of ancient Babylon determined that we'll build a ziggurat, the tower that leads to heaven itself, we'll work our way to heaven, we'll build the great society and we can do it without the God of the Bible and the judgment of God fell on that society.
3: Thank you, Dr. Ed Heinson, for introducing today's programming for me. I felt he summed that up in about two minutes or so. Glad you can join me for Understanding the Times Radio today. And you've heard me on this program for years, actually, talking about a coming one world system outlined in Revelation, certainly Revelation 13, a system whose stage is being set today for a world of tomorrow and that globalist empire will be ruled by the Antichrist, a tyrannical leader that the Bible calls the beast and the man of sin or lawlessness. In the meantime, the globalists are stirring things up, preparing the way for the coming one world system. They do that through war, through pandemics, through meddling within nations to destabilize many of them, through the, I call it the crazy green agenda. And another topic I want to hit this particular hour with my guest, who I'm bringing on in just a few seconds here, would be the fact that the FBI has been suggesting that you may be anti-government, you may be an extremist, if you've purchased a Bible, if you shopped at Dick's Sporting Goods, or Bass Pro Shops, if you use the term mega or Trump. So what kind of an invasion of privacy is this that we're going to be talking about because it's on everyone's mind particularly those who are analyzing our times one who has documented this for over 30 years is gary Kah. he joins me today to look at the rush to one worldism he was also a speaker at two of my annual conferences here in the twin cities and he is an author we'll say more about that in a moment but in the meantime gary welcome back to understanding the times
4: Hi, Jan. It's a pleasure to be with you.
3: As Dr. Heinsen said in that opening clip, people will give up rights to gain some things, and eventually society will even, as you know, give up cash for a digitized system of money. People will trade convenience for security. And this is not the beginning. This has been going on for 30 years or more, as you have documented, correct?
4: That's right. I first learned about it in the early to mid-1980s when I was traveling overseas doing work with our embassies and international trade promotion and I was surprised at that time how many of the people I met held a globalist worldview. It seemed to me like some of them in the State Department already back then would have been more loyal to an empowered UN than to the United States and that threw up some major flags because as you know with my background, my father at age 12, fled from the Communists, and at age 13, fled from the Nazis. My mother grew up under Hitler in Germany with family that was very much opposed to Hitler, so they had their share of stories that they went through. And I grew up hearing about all this, being born over here, but at family gatherings, seeing what my family went through, and then now, all of a sudden, I'm in this government position and i'm hearing talk from these people who are essentially globalists and the one thing that they held in common was that they were not very fond of bible-believing christians nor politically conservative jews or christians or israel and that threw up more flags again this was in the 1980s and that's what first prompted me to begin researching these matters and then eventually i was and this had to be the lord I was invited to join two different organizations that were actually part of this globalist agenda, and through that was able to get an inside look, and that led to the writing of my book, *In route to global occupation, which came out in early 1992.
3: So who is speeding all of this up? Which organizations, could you name half a dozen of them,
4: Back in the day, I became familiar with organizations, of course, like the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Club of Rome, the Bilderberg Group, all that was well underway already in the 1980s. But a short time later, the World Economic Forum began coming on the scene at first in a small way. But a lot of these organizations and groups that I just mentioned seemed to feed into that organization. And under Klaus Schwab's leadership and people like Bill Gates and other very wealthy individuals, George Soros, feeding into it, it's become quite a powerful organization. So they have really rallied around the UN, seeking UN empowerment. You have Secretary General of the United Nations, Guterres, who, as the former president of Portugal, also, during part of that time, was the leader of the Socialist International And if people haven't heard of that organization, that is the mothership of practically all socialist-slash-communist groups in the world. He was the head of that, and now he's the head of the United Nations, and most people have no clue. They don't realize that, how radical of an organization that is. And then there's Jibreyesus, who's the head of the World Health Organization, and he was an Ethiopian socialist revolutionary leader. So his reward was being made head of the World Health Organization. You've got people who are staunch globalist slash Marxists in some cases who are now heading up the UN. You've got the World Economic Forum and other groups that feed into them completely propping up the UN trying to give that organization more and more power. And then you also have Pope Francis who through his group Guardians of the Council for Inclusive Capitalism you're looking at over 30 trillion dollars that can be moved around fairly quickly just through that organization and they also feed into the World Economic Forum those guardians by the way the Pope put Lady Lynn Forrester de Rothschild in charge of that group so you've got some of the big banking families tied into this as well who've been in it for a long long time like the Rothschilds the Rockefellers in this country and so on and then I have to mention King Charles. Whether people realize it or not, he's become viewed as the de facto leader of the global environmental movement. And it goes all the way back to 1992 and the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit that pretty much kicked off what I call the hyper-global environmental movement that also pushes for global government. And so he's part of this and was a keynote speaker recently at a meeting in the Middle East. And just a couple of others I'd mention, investment groups like BlackRock, Vanguard, and others, people give and trust these organizations with their money because they know how to make money, but then they use that money, they invest it, they're able to vote stock and corporations and gradually take over the world. And it's not just them, but other groups cooperating with them. So there's an economic side, a political side, a religious side. They pretty much by now have all the bases covered, and the problem, Jan, is These people are now the ones in control, and it's much more difficult to get them out of control once they're in.
3: Well, Gary, I want to go down a pathway because you opened the door, and that's the World Economic Forum because they just met in January in Davos, their 54th annual meeting. The theme was rebuilding trust. I think they feel they blew it in the previous year, probably the previous three years, because of a certain health crisis that came on the scene. They welcomed over 100 governments this year at the 54th Annual Meeting, all major international organizations. They had civil society leaders, youth representatives, social entrepreneurs, news outlets. But I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, and I'm going to play this very short clip of Yuval Noah Harari talking about the one person that's standing in the way of their plans would be Donald Trump, and he's very open about this. Are you concerned that Trump might be
0: elected again shortly?
5: I I think it's very likely. Mm. And if it happens, it is likely to be the kind of like the the death blow to what remains of the global order. And he says it it openly. Now, again, it should be clear that many of these politicians, they present a false dichotomy, a false binary vision of the world as if you have to choose between patriotism and globalism, between being loyal to your nation and being loyal to some kind of, I don't know, global government or whatever.
3: Gary, that was just a month ago in Davos. Again, that was Yuval Noah Harari an Israeli. He's a thinker, commentator. He's part of the World Economic Forum leadership. I think what astounds me is they're so blatant, they're so upfront. Look, the man who's standing in the way of our agenda, is Donald J. Trump. Now, making this comment is not a political statement by you or me. It's just a fact. This is the way they're thinking.
4: Yes, getting national sovereignty away from the countries of the world, that has been their biggest task in order to have a new global society, a world government organization, and a global economy as part of that world government. So here in the United States, you have a people who have been fiercely independent Because our ancestors, for the most part, came to the United States to get away from kings and autocrats and tyrants telling them what to do. So getting the U.S. on board, they thought they could do that by putting the U.N. on U.S. soil, whereas the League of Nations was in Geneva. And that helped their cause some. But people have become more and more skeptical, seeing that the U.N.'s interests most of the time are not those interests of the U.S. They don't have our best interests in mind. They simply don't. So this is all about power and how to consolidate that power globally. And they see Trump as standing in the way in the U.S. because he's been very outspoken against globalization. Yes, he
3: has, very outspoken. It troubles me because, and again, not a political statement here, but even Alex Soros came out a week or 10 days ago and suggesting quite bluntly assassination. So when we start talking up front about Using those kinds of terms in public, I get quite shocked. I really do.
4: Yeah, they want to make the world more and more interdependent. So they cannot have an independent U.S. And the first thing Trump would do if he's reelected is the energy, the oil would flow again within the U.S. We have enough oil for the next 50 years or more, and that would run our economy and make us less dependent on the rest of the world. And they cannot have that. So that's just part of it. And of course, the border crisis, that's very intentional if people haven't figured that out by now. This is just one other way that they're trying to bring down the United States and destroy us from within so that we're easy prey for a takeover.
3: So they promoted the idea of a poly-crisis, claiming that the world is now contending with multiple crises, again, pandemics, climate crisis, multiple wars, I might go there in a moment here, economic turndowns. The World Economic Forum is warning that even as we turn our attention to new crises, the old ones persist. That's their words. Now, Gary, they're talking about a coming pandemic that is 20 times more deadly than COVID. I want to introduce this, and then I want to get your comment on it.
6: World leaders gathering in Davos, Switzerland this week are going to discuss disease X, a hypothetical virus 20 times deadlier than COVID-19. Addressing a global pandemic is also something that a U- next US president might face. But what exactly is a disease X? According to the World Health Organization, disease X represents the knowledge that a serious international e- epidemic could be caused by an unknown pathogen. Let's bring in Dr. Amish Adalja. He is a senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Thanks so much for being with us. COVID-19 has killed almost 7 million people worldwide. What would a virus 20 times deadlier be like and and is it is that a possibility that we could see in our lifetime
5: it's definitely a possibility because if you look at COVID 19 and compare it for example to the 1918 influenza pandemic you can see that it is magnitudes less deadly than 1918 and there are strains of viruses that have very high mortality rates that could develop the ability to transmit efficiently But from human to human. If we did so poorly with something like COVID-19, you can imagine how poorly we would do with something like a 1918 level event.
6: Do we know, and maybe this is one of the things they're trying to work out, but where a pathogen like that could originate from as these world leaders think about how to combat such a thing?
5: Likely these types of pathogens are going to be respiratory viruses and they may be viruses that are circulating in certain animal species but are not able to transmit yet efficiently between humans. So that could be in bats like COVID-19, it could be in birds like bird flu, or it could be some other type of animal species, swine for example. And it's really about that interface between humans and animals where interactions are occurring that these types of viruses get a foothold. Most of them will die out, but what we worry about is one that can spread efficiently the way 1918 did.
6: And so what kinds of preparations might they be talking about? And are there certain roadblocks that we learned about from COVID-19 that just need to be cleared in terms of, I guess within individual countries, but then also cooperation across countries? What kinds of topics do you think they're talking about as they discuss disease X?
5: The whole idea of disease X is about being proactive to look at the myriad types of viruses that can infect humans and kind of narrow in on certain viral families that are most likely to harbor a pandemic pathogen and start working in those families, even if we don't know which member of those families, or even if it's an unknown member of those families, might cause it the, the next pandemic or epidemic. So that means, thinking about what do you need to do to make a vaccine? What are the antiviral targets? What type of diagnostic tests do you need to have in place? Should we be doing wastewater monitoring? All of those types of types, types of questions are being contemplated in the effort to be proactive. You're
3: listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line from Indiana, Gary Cobb. He's been monitoring the rush to the One World system for well over 30 years now. He's got wonderful books. Find them at garykah.org, spelled K-A-H, Garykah.org. Gary Ka, your thoughts on what I just played. Again, World Economic Forum, this was front and center on their agenda a month ago. A disease coming, disease X, 20 times deadlier than COVID. Again, part of the poly crises going on in our world today that the globalists want to come in and solve.
4: My first question when I listen to that, and I've heard that numerous times in the last few weeks, that this thing is going to be 20 times deadlier. How do they already know that? Unless there's something already in the offing that they're waiting for the right moment to spring on us. I know that sounds very conspiratorial, but how do they know that this thing is going to be 20 times deadlier? So they're already in advance trying to scare people to death and set the stage so that the World Health Organization will be able to move in and commandeer everyone in a way even more so than they attempted to do last time. There's so much to be said here, I don't even know where to begin. I know that your listeners are probably familiar with the push for a world pandemic treaty. Yes. Well, it's going to be the 77th World Health Assembly and that is the lead part of the World Health Organization and they're going to be convening at the end of May for the specific purpose of ratifying their global pandemic treaty. I found out just recently this has been in the making for at least three years since March of 2021 that we know about and maybe even before then. So the purpose of this is to give them special powers the next time a pandemic hits and they'll be able to move much more quickly, shut things down more quickly, have more authority and power and I believe ultimately use it in the name of health and prevention of spreading this virus. They will argue in favor of probably a personal QR code that will be part of one's digital ID. They'll say money is dirty. We need to do away with cash because it can spread the virus. Same thing with credit cards. So I think that's going to be part of this as well. There's the financial side. Ultimately, people have to understand it's all about control. So being aware of the globalist endgame in all of this, namely the implementation of a global governing system to control us, It seems to me that the powers that be will attempt to launch major crises, plural, on several fronts to facilitate this push into their new world order. And other health crises alone, I don't believe will be enough this time, especially in the U.S., where people have been awakened to these tactics. I'm wondering, in fact, I wrote in an article recently, how would Americans respond to a triple play? What if a pandemic lockdown, an economic collapse or crisis of some type, and a crippling attack from Russia or Iran's proxies in our country were all to occur at the same time, in addition to all of the proposed draconian impositions related to climate change. And this, unfortunately, is not an unrealistic scenario, given the current trajectory of our nation's policy through the deep state in Washington. You're
3: absolutely right. Gary, I just want to go back to that conference coming up again in May, the World Health Assembly, That would be May 27th to June 1st, the spring. By the way, Michelle Bachman was in attendance at the one in 2023. And again, Mr. Biden calls this an accord so he can wield his powers and his executive orders and doesn't have to answer to Congress if it's called an accord. Again, it's planning for future pandemics and clamping down on them. The 77th World Health Assembly coming up this spring that Gary's referring to, it's in my notes that I wanted to cover because it's one of the upcoming globalist events that are on the agenda for 2024
4: yeah it would give the u.n unprecedented power to enforce health mandates correct so we don't want to see that happen and people have got to be informed about this and put pressure on the biden administration because they're still going to be in power and from everything we know and that we've seen we believe the biden administration is going to be involved promoting this because they've been involved throughout the process of drafting this treaty that they're calling an accord. So why would they oppose it if they've been front and center and helping to get it done up to this point? Let
3: me just open a little different door here and I made reference to it in my introduction. Get your perspective on it. I've got in front of me an article by John Whitehead. He's written on the website worldnetdaily wnd.com. According to the FBI he says, you may be an anti-government extremist if you've, one, purchased a Bible or other religious materials, if you've used terms like mega and Trump, and I suppose this is what in emails, texts, whatever, anything that might be listened to, if you've shopped at Dick's Sporting Goods, Cabela's, or Bass Pro Shops, hmm, wonder what's there, perhaps guns and weaponry, purchased tickets to travel by bus, cars, or plane, all of the above, and the article goes on to say, In fact, if you selected any of those options in recent years, you're already on a government watch list. That's how broadly the government net is being cast in its pursuit of domestic extremists. We're all fair game now. Easy targets for inclusion on some FBI watch list or another. Again, that's a partial article by John Whitehead on WND.com. Gary, your thoughts on this? This just blows me away because purchasing a Bible will now get us in trouble.
4: Well, information is power, and if you want to control people, knowing everything about them and where they stand, it makes sense that these organizations who are now run more or less by globalists, unfortunately, including some of our intelligence organizations, they want to know who the conservative Bible-believing Christians are, those who would oppose a new world order that is very anti-Christian. Obviously, we don't want to see a world system come about that would persecute us and Jews and our independence as nations and try to take that away from us. Smart people who are in a battle, they size up their adversaries and want to know everything about them, and that's what they're doing as globalists right now. They want to know who has purchased what from these various stores like Dick's Sporting Goods, who went out and bought a gun in the months that followed, January 6th or before even, And a lot of this began years ago, Jan, it's just we're more aware of it now, but this has gradually been coming on for decades. And our FBI used to be a solid organization. They were held in high esteem for being excellent crime fighters, and there are still a lot of good people in that organization, but increasingly, people who are loyal to a globalist anti-U.S. agenda have risen through the ranks up to the top of that organization and they surround the current president now. So Biden, even if he wanted to take a different path, other forces are leading the way. He's pretty much having to do what they say or else he'd be out of there because he's so blackmailable and corrupted, they could get rid of him very quickly if they wanted to. And he knows that. So he's doing their bidding and moving forward with an agenda that a few decades ago he may not have supported, but right now he doesn't have much of a choice. So that's unfortunately where our nation is at. So the last thing that these people want is for Trump to come into power and turn their agenda upside down.
3: You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. You can learn much more about Gary's outreach, books, etc. GaryKah.org. When I come back, here's where I want to go for part two of my programming. What about this COP28 and forthcoming COP29? Whoever would have thought that the climate agenda would become front and center, of the new global spotlight of the one-worlders focusing on the green agenda. Why? Why is that their obsession? I also want to talk about for a minute or two anyway, the summit of the future coming up in September of 2024. My guess is this may be the most important global gathering to date. What about the world government summit coming up in February of in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, see they don't get any more obvious frank and blunt than they just call these summits the World Government Summit because their plan, they, the one-worlders, is global government. One way or another, by hook or by crook, they are planning on a world with a single ruler. They just don't know it's going to be an ignominious seven years where everything's going to fall apart. And that would be followed by Jesus' second coming and the establishment of the true new world order, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on earth for 1,000 literal years, I believe, my guest believes as well. I'm back in just a minute or two Don't go away.
2: Globalism is a word that's on everybody's lips these days. Years ago, you almost never heard the term. But today, it's a household word that we're a global community, a world village, that we all need to interconnect with one another. In fact, it's the reality of our times. Back in 1973, I was flying on a Delta jet. I pulled the Delta Sky magazine out of the rack, and uh, I was reading an article about the coming cashless society of the future way back then. It said the day will come that cash will almost be meaningless to people. Uh, everybody will use a credit card. Some kind of cashless wireless transactions will be taking place. Money will be moved from one account to another automatically. This is going to be the wave of the future. Now they made it sound like it was all going to happen in the next five or 10 years. But in the next 30 or 40 years, it became a reality. We are living in a day and age unlike anything the world has ever seen before. And all of that change causes a lot of concern and a lot of questions because the Bible clearly predicts the fact that in the end times, a sinister figure, the Antichrist, will control a global economy. Now, uh, in commenting on this in my book, Antichrist Rising, I make this statement on page 105, and I want to read it to you right out of the book. There's certainly nothing morally wrong with computers, or televisions, or satellites, or cashless financial transactions. But many Christians are concerned where all of this might lead. Uh, It appears that we are slowly becoming the victims of our own technological advancements. We're being swept down the quarter of time to an ominous date with destiny steadily moving toward the inevitable globalization of our planet as national identities and interests continue to be submerged by the global worldview. Today, the attitude of the world is we're only concerned about what's good for the rest of the world. We really don't care about you.
3: Welcome back to Understanding the Times Radio. Talking for the hour with Gary Cog. Get back to Gary in just one minute. Just want to say that I actually have a DVD I made some three years ago, Hidden in Plain View, The New World Order in Bible Prophecy. It's in my online store, Olivetreeviews.org. Olivetreeviews.org. I look at the topic For over an hour that we're talking about on air today, try to cite the organizations and individuals going back many hundreds of years, actually, who put it all into motion. Again, you can find Gary's books at GaryKa.org. Quick heads up that our winter magazine is out. You might want to sign up for both our e-newsletter, which is about once a month, sometimes twice, or the print magazine. Go to OlivetreeViews.org and go to newsletters. Check out our prayer wall where you can post prayer requests and actually see people responding to them. And again, if you are on YouTube, be careful, hundreds of our videos stolen, altered. So look for subscribers, currently 205,000 subscribers. Any other channel on YouTube is stolen, it's hijacked, it's altered, it is trying to create chaos. Now let me move on quickly, by the way, check out Gary's magazine, it's quarterly. Hope for the World, Hope for the World, GaryKah.org. Gary, quickly here, I want to hit a few more things as time allows. Whoever would have thought when looking at globalism, did you ever expect that climate would be front and center for these people? Again, we've had COP28 the month of December, COP standing for Conference of Parties, COP29 coming up end of year, King Charles, seen as the leader of this, as you referenced, When was he anointed for this?
4: To answer your first question, I have been aware since the 1980s that the environment and climate would be center stage in this agenda toward globalization. It was in the mid-80s that I was invited to join the World Constitution and Parliament Association, pushing in favor of a world government. And at that time, they put out for their members a list of 49 reasons for why we need a world government. And almost a third of them had to do with the environment. So we knew it was coming, but it was in 1992 with the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro that all of this was really launched in more of a public way. Some of the key figures involved in that were Stephen Rockefeller, Maurice Strong, Mikhail Gorbachev, Prince Charles at that time, Al Gore to some degree. And that's when it began to gain traction. In fact, an Earth Charter was drafted. And then you saw more and more the media picking up on this and beginning to warn people about the impending doom with the environment unless something is done. And then over the last 10 years, it's just taken off exponentially. And the thinking behind this is, okay, if we can make the environment appear to be a global problem, global problems demand global solutions, right? If it transcends national boundaries, and so that plays right into the U.N. power grab. The U.N. needs more power and authority to deal with the issue of the environment. It was global warming. Now it's climate change because some parts of the world are getting colder and others are warmer. So they have to just keep people engaged in all of this. Ultimately, they want to dictate to us how much energy we use, when and where we use it, where we live, how we heat our houses, pretty much everything because energy runs our lives. And again, that's why they want the U.S. to be interdependent and not independent for our energy resources, because that's a big part of this climate agenda.
3: And what I'm impressed by, and not in a good way, are the number of very important people who have signed on to it, as you've already indicated, starting with King Charles, Pope Francis, of course I call him the vicar of the New World Order. We've got, as you've referenced, the Rockefellers, and you've referenced in one of your messages, even National Education Association, All religious leaders from every denomination, including Girikah, evangelicals, have signed on to the Green Agenda.
4: Yeah, you've got Pope Francis, who a couple of years ago launched his Global Compact on Education, which deals heavily with this issue of the environment and climate change and really a socialist agenda. So the problem you have there is it doesn't stop with the Pope because the World Council of Churches and the denominations represented Through that organization, which, by the way, over the years has gotten a lot of its funding from the Rockefeller Foundation, they're all too happy to jump in and support this agenda. So you've got the leaders now of many of our mainline denominations front and center and promoting all of this. And to go back to the World Constitution and Parliament Association for a moment, back in the 80s when I was familiar with that group, Cynthia Waddell, who was the former president of the World Council of Churches, was an actual member who funneled into that organization that was just blatantly globalist. So again, this has been around for many years. Just now it's more and more public, and these people realize that they can go public because they have so much support out there. We've got our 35 and under young people who are 70% or more globalists and socialists now in their political leanings. So if you're going to implement an agenda, at some point you have to go public with it. You can't keep it private forever, and that's what we're seeing now. They feel very confident and cocky. They believe they can pull this off, and they just need a few crises to help them accomplish their goals.
3: It has turned into earth worship in some places, I think in part, including at these COP meetings, Conference of Parties, COP28 coming up, COP29 end of this year. Worship the creation rather than the creator. And a lot of this began, I think, well, 1970 was the first Earth Day. Obviously, this was all in the planning well before 1970, but then it's blossomed. And as you say, in the last 10 years, absolutely exploded simply off the chart. Gary, another crisis that they're trying to suggest, in fact, is a crisis. And I hate to say it, we have got the threat of World War III on our doorstep. Just a quick clip here, very short, Dr. Mark Hitchcock addressing this because... We have potentially, it's starting in the Middle East, we've got one in Ukraine, we've got the potential between China and Taiwan.
1: On today's program, I want to talk about wars and rumors of wars. Uh, What Jesus predicted over 2,000 years ago, Uh, Jesus in his final great sermon there on the Mount of Olives, um, overlooking the, the Temple Mount area in the city of Jerusalem, he gave a litany of signs that will portend his coming. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse six and seven, Jesus said, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And today we see exactly what Jesus predicted 2000 years ago in Matthew 24. Uh, There are more and more wars and conflicts erupting everywhere and every day. And there's all kinds of rumors of wars or talks or threats of war um, across the world today. And that's what we want to talk about. I don't believe we're in a world war right now, but I believe our world is at war. And that's a a great sign, I believe, that the coming of Christ is near.
3: Gary, the point is, I think, is that this is something that the one-worlders will use as the crisis that has to be controlled, preferably by a one-world government system.
4: I believe their agenda to bring it in, they're going to need, as I mentioned earlier, multiple crises, financial, pandemic. But I believe to put it over the top, it will at the very least require the threat of a world war or possibly an actual world war because people have to be so terrified and scared to death that they're willing to surrender many of their freedoms in order to march into this new world order, which will promise world peace. So when you look at the world right now, you've got the simmering Ukraine-Russia war, and you've got an expanding war in the Middle East. If Israel gets attacked by Hezbollah in a major way, we need to be watching that because that would change everything because Hezbollah is being supplied by Iran through Syria. So to stop the flow of weapons to Hezbollah, Israel would have to take some kind of action on Syria and at that point things would really get serious because you've got Russian advisors in there I learned through my best contact in Jerusalem who has been dead on repeatedly he's got two sons in the IDF a few weeks ago 10 Iranian generals took up positions in Syria they're there calling the shots pretty much so if Israel is forced to have to deal with Syria directly then all of this expands and you could literally have the Ukraine Russia war And the war, currently limited to Israel and Hamas, expand into one massive world war, and then who knows what happens from there. So we're keeping a close eye on that. But if the globalists want it, it's so easy for them to stir things up. It's much more difficult to keep the peace, but it's very easy to get a crisis going in the Middle East, especially with all the terror groups and cells that globalists have inroads with. I'm expecting this. I want to be wrong, believe me, I know you do as well, but I see things drifting toward a global war, possibly even yet this year. We'll have to wait and see. And I do want to comment quickly while I think of it on a timetable. I was on another talk show a little bit less than two years ago, and afterwards, a listener called in to the host and said, I've got to talk to Gary, can you please put us in touch with each other? It's extremely important. That took place I ended up talking to this individual for about an hour and he became involved in the one-world movement through the back door through the environment because of a legitimate environmental concern he had on his property and it brought him into the global environmental movement and he didn't realize that it was basically part and parcel with the globalist movement and he ended up being mentored over time by a very prominent figure within the World Economic Forum just before I was on this program, he had had lunch with this individual, and by the way, this new friend of mine, he's on our side, but he has stayed in these circles just to gather information. So he asked his contact, his so-called mentor, as quickly as things are moving along, do you believe that the Great Reset could still launch forward and move forward quickly this year? And he barely got the question out of his mouth and the guy said, 2024, 20, 2024, just emphatically so this gentleman wanted to tell me that, that at that time, about two years ago, they were specifically targeting 2024 to just shake things loose in a major way. Now a lot can happen in two years. I don't believe in setting dates. I believe that's the quickest way to lose credibility, but it is helpful to know what our adversaries have been planning. So I think the U.S. election is going to factor into this. I believe they're watching that closely, and if they believe that Trump might get in, who knows what they will try to pull off between now and then or right after the elections later this fall. So something that all of us, all of your listeners, we need to be praying into this and informing people and just being very discerning and praying that the Lord would intervene. But apart from divine intervention, who knows what these people are going to try to spring on us sometime this year.
3: You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio, Jan Markell, talking to Gary Ka. And you can learn more at GaryKah, Ka, Look for his books posted at that website and also check out his quarterly magazine. Another summit coming up, Gary, the Summit of the Future, September 2024. You suggest it's one of the most important global gatherings coming up. And you say, prepare for global shocks. I think they're saying that. What kind of global shocks? We've probably talked about them here for the last 45 minutes.
4: The U.N. website admits that one of the purposes of this upcoming summit is to, quote, put in place a stronger international response playbook for complex global shocks, maximizing the use of the Secretary General's convening power in the form of an emergency platform, end quote. So if this materializes, it would give the U.N. unprecedented emergency powers on a global scale. It would take it up to the next level, and that's really what they want. Many of the details of the UN sought-after emergency platform were first presented last March in a policy paper, and that policy paper gave several examples of what could extend emergency authority to the UN. Get this, the list includes a major climate event, a future pandemic development, a global digital connectivity disruption, and by that I think they mean like a cyber attack or EMP strike. Also, a major event in outer space among other quote-unquote unforeseen risks. So almost anything could be construed as being a global emergency that would kick all of this into effect if they get this emergency power approved. And again, a lot of this hinges on what happens in May when they're going to try to ratify the global pandemic treaty. Also, another quote here in a paper, the UN Secretary General Guterres declared I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the UN system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach." So they're going to try to get this through between May and September. So very important meetings, unprecedented meetings with ramifications that may be irreversible if this goes through. And every country who is a member of the UN or the World Health Organization would be obligated to abide by whatever emergency dictatorial powers result from this. And so I am a strong advocate of completely getting out of the UN. I'd even go so far as to boot the UN out of US territory. And I'm hoping Trump, if he gets elected, would actually do that. It may be wishful thinking, but this is a very dangerous organization that is run by socialists, not just socialists, but hardcore Marxist type of individuals. And why should we be funding them and marching to their drumbeat? A very dangerous thing for all Christians and Jews living in this country, and people of other religious faiths too, because who's to say they're not going to persecute you as well if you happen to not be supportive of their agenda so this needs to be a concern to all of us well then
3: we've got another one coming up here very soon the world government summit world government summit they're not even subtle about it folks world government summit coming up february 12th through 14th in dubai united arab emirates I have clips from previous world government summits, and they're just openly talking about, well, let's go for our one world system. That's all they can think about in events like that. But Gary, what I want to do is save a few minutes for you to address what happened in Israel. You're very, very active in combating anti-Semitism. You're very involved with Israel, Aliyah, etc. And I have done programming here highlighting the increase in Aliyah to Israel since October 7th because Jews are realizing there's really no safe place in the whole world for them any longer. And you're a part of, a, I believe it's Ebenezer Operation Exodus. Give us your thoughts. I've got seven, eight minutes here that I want your perspective on all that's happened, particularly in light of growing anti-Semitism, etc.
4: It's amazing how quickly all these people seem to come out of the woodwork. We've had 1,300 anti-Israel rallies in the United States since October 7th, 1,300 a lot of these aren't just protests, but they're borderline riots. When you look at Sarah Carter of Fox News, who's been covering some of this, we've said prayers for her because it looked like she was in danger, like they were going to lynch her in the middle of some of these hostile crowds. In fact, I was just down in Florida just two weeks ago, and both Sarah Carter and I spoke on a Sunday morning at an event speaking out on it's more than anti-semitism it's just jew hatred yes, now. Yes. and these same people also hate bible believing christians and that's what a lot of christians don't totally get yet there's a saying in the middle east first the saturday people then the sunday people and there's a lot of truth to that because they know that christians and jews we share the same old testament we see god's hand how he has worked through the jewish people and has given us the new testament and we support Israel and its right to exist. So anything that is overtly anti-Israel and anti-Jewish ultimately also is going to come after Christians. And so if we understand that, we would take a much stronger stand than what I'm currently seeing. If all the churches in the U.S. got on this thing and suppressed those who are violently speaking out against Israel, I mean, literally calling for Israel's complete destruction and every Jew in the world being killed, that's what some of these chance are saying, if we don't take a stand now, all of this is going to come after us too, is what I'm trying to say. We're in a moment similar to Nazi Germany, when Hitler was ascending to power and already had a lot of his people in place. and The German people were beginning to realize that, hmm, this might not be so good, but they were largely fearful to take a stand, and none of them thought it would get as bad as it eventually did. So too many people said nothing. Well, this is our moment now as Americans, as Christians, to rise up and take a stand and show the New World Order crowd that we aren't afraid of them. And we're going to stand for our freedoms and for the truth. We're not going to shy away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us boldness. If we believe in him, we can be courageous. We can be thoughtful and compassionate, but also be courageous and bold and fighting this hatred that we are seeing now, that is part of this globalist agenda. Again, they want to scare us into accepting this new world order. And the timing of what happened in Israel with the Hamas attacks, that was not a coincidence. That's part of trying to create World War III, if they can, and terrify and scare everybody into embracing their globalist agenda. So be praying for us, be praying for me too, because I've had opportunities come along that I've never had before. To share in some of these meetings. In fact, I was just part of a task force meeting a few days ago titled Combating Anti-Semitism in the U.S. that was co-chaired by a friend of mine, Mario Bramnick, and he's doing his level best to call attention to this, and I was pleased with the response. I think people are beginning to wake up, but we need our Christian leaders and pastors to take a stand and not be afraid of losing their 501c3 status, but be bold in the pulpit And if everybody was to be that way, they wouldn't be able to shut us down.
3: You just said a whole lot there in your closing sentence that we need churches to take a stand. And some are thankful to those pastors who are taking a stand. But I get emails many a day, Gary Koss, saying my church will not talk about any of this, will not pray for the situation in the Middle East right now, which as you've just outlined, and as Mark Hitchcock is very open about outlining Some of the things going on, on a deeper level, Syria, Iraq, Iran getting heavily, heavily involved in some of those areas, the potential of Hezbollah unleashing unlimited tens and tens of thousands of sophisticated rockets, not these cheap things that Hamas is launching, but Hezbollah destruction could be overwhelming and catastrophic, and yet we have many, many churches not wanting to take a stand, not wanting to even publicly pray for this situation. I'm not sure how to light the fire under them because some of those problems are theological. The church is rooted in replacement theology and other theologies, a millennialism, etc. That does not see what's happening as relevant or important.
4: We've been taking a strong stand in that area with our articles for that very yeah. reason, and I know you have too, Jan. And I so much appreciate that. That's really where the battle is being fought, and so many churches a majority of America's mainline churches don't see a role for Israel they believe that any of the biblical prophecies are relegated to the past they've already been fulfilled God has nothing in mind for Israel or the Jewish people as a people group so then they're going to be much less likely to take a stand on any of these things if that's where they're coming from and that was the exact same situation that existed in Nazi Germany and that's why Hitler was able to come in the way that he did And now we're letting more and more people, even in our intelligence organizations, they're not doing anything. Where are they to take a stand against Jew hatred in the United States to stop some of these protests that are violent? In my opinion, if you're out there protesting in favor of a terrorist organization, that makes you an accomplice to terrorists. I mean, our agencies would have every right to crack down on these people when they're calling on the death to Jews, and in some cases Christians, but they're not doing that. So it's up to the Christian leaders, those of us who are out there who aren't afraid to take a stand, we've got to do it now or never.
3: Well, the silence has been deafening, really has. I'm not sure how to light the fire. Again, some of the problems, heavily the problems, are rooted in theology, so therefore it's hard to get those who do not see the whole picture here from what we would call the proper theological viewpoint to get really involved. I think that would take an absolute miracle. Theology is important, Gary. It's just so important. Where we go to church is so important. If they're compromising, I think it's time to move on.
4: Amen. And I think some people are doing that. Yes, they are. I know that all the fallout from COVID, I noticed, created a shift of people leaving certain churches and going to other churches that weren't afraid to take a stand on the truth. And so it's up to us ultimately. And God is a sovereign God, but he watches us. And if we want to serve him and follow him and be obedient to him in repentance, he can intervene and he can push back timetables. But if we as a people group snub our noses at God, don't do anything, don't take a stand, don't read our Bibles and don't carry out our Christian duties and what the Bible calls us to do to be salt and light, then things are going to play out. And we shouldn't be surprised by that.
3: Check out Gary's books at garycod.org Again, if you're interested in my DVD, it is about three years old, Hidden in Plain View, The New World Order in Bible Prophecy. Find that at olivetreeviews.org, olivetreeviews.org, and go to our online store. Gary Cod thank you for all you do, and thank you for being so blunt today. I really appreciated the truth talk that you've been giving us here for the last hour, and I know my audience is going to be praying for you. You are on the front lines. So this ministry is as well, but I guess we were called for such a time as this. I hope you'll hang in there.
4: Amen, we'll do our best with God's help. Thank you so much, Jan.
3: Going out of the program, let me just say this, that there really is a new world order, a rush to a one world system that will unite the globe as one, but the Bible outlines a perfect one that is on its way. It's called the millennium, when the lion and the lamb and the wolf, well, they're all in one accord. And when Jesus is on his throne in Jerusalem, and that is followed by the very best new world order imaginable, the new heavens and the new earth. I want to thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. You have a front row seat, the stage is being set, the players are in their place, the last act of the church age is being prepared just so everything can fall into place.